0: Hi, welcome to Hold a Light, a podcast for lifelong learners who are curious about the ways we can deepen our connection to our spiritual and personal growth. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman. Today on the show, I'm excited to share my conversation with Julie McFadden, otherwise known as Hospice Nurse Julie. If you're on social media, you might be familiar with Julie, who has millions of followers across her social channels, where she shares stories that are a mix of information and inspiration. Julie is a certified hospice nurse, and she says that her mission is to help dying people and their loved ones understand the process of dying. Her passion is to educate people in order to alleviate the fear and stigma around death and dying. As she says, she believes the more we talk about it, the less we fear it, and the less we fear it, the better we'll live, and the more peaceful we'll die I love my conversation with Julie because even though she comes from the medical world and believes in science, she does share some spiritual or can't-quite-be-explained moments that are so beautiful to hear. This is why I wanted to talk with her. And so, here's my conversation with the generous and lovely hospice nurse, Julie. Julie, my intention with this conversation is to talk about death and dying and how your work with people who are dying can shed a light on how we can care for people at the end of their lives. And also how knowing a little more about the end of life can help us live our lives now in a more present way. That's right. So I love the work that you are doing to shed a light on all of this and to perhaps help ease this experience for people. So first off, thank you. <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you for caring enough to care and talk to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. So I want to start. Some people might not know the difference between hospice and palliative care. Can you tell us the difference?
1: I mean, okay. So yes, I could simplify it that much, but I feel like it does it a disservice, okay. but I can. Because it's so much more than either one of those things. Okay. So you could, I could say hospice care is comfort care only. Palliative care is mm-hmm. symptom
0: management. Oh, okay. Here's a quick question I have then. Go ahead. How do we know when people are dying? Like what's the time frame that you say, okay, hospice care time now because you're dying? Well, it's a gray
1: area. That's different. That's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. So we don't always know one. That's why I think dying on hospice, and this might get me some in some hot water, but I feel like dying on a hospice can be a privilege because uh, you can know it's happening, you can prepare. Instead of something quick, dramatic, you know, like being hit by a car or something, God forbid. Hospice is a place for uh, you to be able to prepare yourself, your family for this time, uh, and do all the things you've been, say all the things you've been meaning to say, do
0: all the things you've been meaning to do if you can. Yeah. So is part of your passion then helping people to make it nicer for them, like to embrace it and make the transition easier for them? I'm just trying to educate. I feel like through
1: education, it can really open up people's eyes and decrease their fear around just even around talking about death. Yes, To like decrease the fear to make death less scary and to make it more sacred. There's no denying it. Yeah. It's going to happen yeah. one way or the, the other. Right. So if you're in this position where it's happening, right? Like you have this disease, you know, it's terminal eventually. Like, what can you do to embrace that? Yeah. Because I've seen it with my own eyes over and over and over again. The people who are willing to embrace that Mm -hmm. live better and die better. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. I have so many questions. So you did just touch upon, I heard you bring up the word sacred. And I think I've heard you call the moment of death a sacred moment. And perhaps you've even compared it to like the moment of birth. So you've witnessed the moment of births and you've witnessed the moment of death. So can you talk a little bit more about that moment of death being a sacred moment?
1: Yeah. So I think, okay, so just so everyone knows, I've been around like hundreds of deaths, right? I've seen it like kind of play out hundreds of times. Right. And this is, so this is only truly through experience have I learned this. Yeah. And that's why I want to kind of share it with everybody. Yeah. So I have found because I am kind of a third party, right? This is not my loved one. This is not my grief, my sadness. That stuff is removed because, I mean, it's still obviously sad. It's still a sad thing. I can see people being sad, it's sad. And because I think I'm not stuck in that grief, I'm not in that moment, I can see how the room itself of someone dying usually, has an, a type of energy that feels, it just feels a certain way. It feels like you're kind of closer to something, something that we don't fully understand. It feels spiritual. It does. And I'm not necessarily even a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. like. But there's just a different feeling in that room. And when someone slowly takes their last breath, there is something that is very sacred about it. And I only know this because like even when I watch videos of like babies being born yeah. right just even a video of it right there is something about that initial baby birthing right and crying that makes me like immediately like weep like, wow, what the heck was that oh. <laughs> that's amazing yeah. there's something about it that feels magical yeah and that same feeling I get when someone takes their last breath oh there is sad there's more sadness around it because of course your people are grieving around you so there is some sadness but it's still that same sacred feeling it still feels like i am witnessing i don't want to say a miracle but but kind of like that like i'm witnessing something special yeah And I I think now when you have grief and sadness around it, it's probably a little harder to to see that and to feel that. But I think when, what I found is people who prepare a little more, who aren't as scared because they've already seen and heard what this is going to be like through watching my videos or other people's videos or just learning about death and dying in general, they can kind of relax into that moment. And instead of it feeling like a scary emergency, because some people will feel that, like, it, like something's happening, it's changing. You know, they right. can kind of get a little scared. Right. A little, like, something needs to happen. We need to do something. When we learn that that's not what has to happen, we can just be in that moment. It can be sacred for them, too. Right. You know, there's sadness there and there's grief there, but it can be this really, really special moment. If it's your parent, right? They brought you into the world and now you're ushering them out. Oh, you know, it can yeah. be a really full circle moment right so i just think it's so important and the way we can get there is through understanding what death actually looks like because a lot of times people think what they're witnessing is scary you know they're suffering something is wrong look how they're breathing look how they look right something's wrong right you know and i'd say nine out of ten times nothing really is wrong that's
0: just how you look when you die you're just not used to seeing it so you have said that you've witnessed did you say hundreds of deaths like Many. I would many. say so, yeah. I've, n- I've never really counted, but yeah, probably a hundred. Let's just say many. Yeah. So have there been some common things that you've heard people talk about at the end of their lives, whether it's regrets or even things that they are happy about their life, happy that they did or the way they showed up? Anything common? Yeah,
1: I mean, the things they regret mostly are not appreciating their health when they had it. Okay. So I think we all, including me, think we're always going to be these healthy spry people running around. So not appreciating that when you, when they had it working too much mm. uh, in their life away, I had many people who were, you know, working, 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 until they hit 65 and then they were going to travel and then they were going to do this and then they were going to do that. And then they hit retirement age and they die. Oof. So regret there. Um, and Regret, too, with, like, family, um, they've, you know, not, not, which again, like, that's a whole family, family dynamics are crazy, right? But, like, I have heard a lot of people say they wish they would have been a better father, a better, a better mother, mm. um, and then things that they really appreciate are um, family, too, family and friends being around, Yeah. and all they really
0: want is to be with them. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So then let's talk about something that I've heard you mention through your videos, something you have witnessed, visioning. I'm so fascinated with visioning. Me too, girl. <laughs> and what happens with visioning?
1: Okay, visioning. I need everyone to hear this Okay. because this is not something that like just myself would say or like only happens once in a while. This is the thing across all nations across all cultures across, you know, it's been like it's been monitored and observed for I think hundreds of years. And uh, we don't have a certain percentage, but I have heard someone say about 80% of all people, whether have experienced something like this. So it's when you're getting towards the end of your life and it's usually about three weeks to a month before you die. So if we have our fit patients actually start saying this to us, we know that usually they'll probably die within a month mm. um, where they start seeing you know dead relatives, um, loved ones, friends, pets, um sometimes angels and like deities, you know whoever they believe in, right Jesus or Muhammad. Archangel, Michael, you know, whatever kind of uh, religion they belong to. So it doesn't have to be just Christianity, but whatever religion they belong to. And they are always comforted by it. So that's the main thing is, because there's definitely diseases where you can be confused and have delirium and you see a guy in the room and you're you're afraid, right? Or like you're a little paranoid. Someone's following you or people are out to get you. That is not visioning. (laughs) Visioning is always comforting. It's usually people you know. Uh, but sometimes there's, there's angels and stuff too that people see. Right. And I would say it happens in the majority of my patients. Wow. It happens so much that like, I don't have specific stories because it's like a drop in the hat. Like almost everyone does. The reason why I hear more about it now is because during my education, I'll mention, just so you know, if your loved one starts saying they're seeing their mom or they're seeing their dad, you know, don't get freaked out. This is something normal that happens. And I would say nine out of 10 times people will say, Oh, my God, that's already happening. Wow, They've already saw so and so and so and so. So I think now that that's kind of like in my education spiel that I say to my patients, I hear about it even a lot more because a lot of times people don't want to tell you, okay, because they're they can't believe it themselves. They're like, afraid I had a patient once, the daughter took me out of the room and was like, Hey, You gotta, and of course I've already seen the patient, patient's totally alert and oriented, like acting normal and fine. Then the daughter pulls me out of the room and she's like, hey, you gotta give something to my dad. He needs medication. He's seeing his parents. He's telling me he's talking to his parents every night. Um, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's confused and just, you know, just he's saying these weird things. And then I'm like, uh, well, one, then I told her what that was and it's okay. And then I went to go talk to him and I didn't say anything, but then he pulled me aside and goes, hey, I want you to know don't tell anyone because I don't want anyone to think I'm crazy, but I'm seeing my parents and I was really scared. And now I'm not really scared because they're telling me they're coming to get me not now, but soon. And, you know, it just, I mean, countless,
0: countless, countless all the time. This is so beautiful to hear. This makes me tear up and it made my heart just feel like it grew, grew wider. The thought that as we're dying, that we can be comforted by the people we love who are coming back to perhaps usher us in. It's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. So as you are a person who is in the field of medicine based on science, am I hearing you say that this is a spiritual experience or can you not even put a label on it?
1: I personally, right, this is just my belief, because as of now, we do we do not know why this happens. Mm-hmm. We don't know. So there is not a medical explanation for it, despite what people, people love. Let me just tell you the thing that people love to say. Yeah. They think it's yeah. happening because DMT is being released. It's happening because people have low oxygen in their brain. So they're delusional or they're having delusions or hallucinations. It's happening because of medication. Now doctors aren't saying this. People who are skeptics, which I don't blame them, think this. And let me tell you, as a healthcare professional, and I think every other healthcare professional in this in this area would say the same thing. It's not lack of oxygen, because most people who are doing this are are not even there yet. They are alert and oriented, still eating. They're a month away from death. So they're still really fully functioning. Right. Usually it's about a month. They're usually not on many medications. They're not confused at all. There's no delirium. I have seen what ICU psychosis or delirium or hallucinations look like. It's nothing like this. People are mostly alert and oriented and kind of just as confused as we are as why they're seeing their loved ones, Mm, you know, or not confused, surprise. So it's just different. I don't know why it happens. I mean, I think there's something spiritual going on. I don't fully understand it. Yeah. You know, but I know it happens so much that I need to educate about it. I actually have to educate about it so people don't freak out when their loved ones start saying
0: stuff like this. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? I love it so much. I mean, it makes it all feel like the end of life. There's... Like, to look forward to something like that, like for me, say, to see my father again, yeah. although I hope this is not for a long, long, long time, yeah. is so beautiful. It's, it's so comforting. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. So you mentioned earlier that you have been in rooms where it feels like there's a change in the room. And... And I've heard you also say that there was an experience that you had personally that made you believe in the afterlife. You were sharing a story about a favorite patient of yours that made you believe Mm -hmm. in the afterlife. Can you share that story? Yes. Okay.
1: I had a patient where we all got really close with this person because they were on service for a long time I meaning they lived for a while. He was younger. There was a lot of issues in his life. We had to help him a lot, which is amazing. And, and it made us very all very close with this guy. So when he was dying, well, he was dying the whole time, but when he was actively dying, when we know that someone's going to likely die within the next few days or so as a case manager, RN case manager, you visit every day to just check on them, make sure they're okay. And of course, the last time I saw him, I knew he would die that day. Mm. Uh, He was fully unconscious, changes in breathing, looked just like someone who would die very, very, very soon. Definitely that day. So I kind of said my goodbyes to him quietly in my head in his house. And I had a continuous care nurse that was like being with him um, until he died. So I just said to her, you know, text me when he dies, just so I know um, what's going on. And I went to my car and I did not feel sad. I felt like, just thankful that I got to meet him and have all these amazing conversations about end of life. He was very um, open about talking about his fears and his comforts and all the different things he thought might happen and whatever. So this whole journey, we've already talked about all the things (laughs) right that uh, you would talk about with a patient who was dying. Uh, Not always actually with him though, it was really specific. Like he was a little afraid, you know, he didn't know what to expect. There was a lot of questions and um, I was in my car and I was like thanking him in my head, like, thank you so much for having this journey with me and like meeting you. It's been so great. I just wish you all the best. I wish you all the peace, yada, yada. And as I'm in my car saying these things, I can suddenly and this has never happened to me or since I could suddenly hear his voice in my head. And he was making me, as he was speaking, he was also making me like feel things. So I could like feel things and hear his voice. And his voice was like excited. He sounded like, kind of like a little kid in a candy store. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And he actually said my name. Oh my gosh, Julie, oh my gosh, Julie. And I could feel the excitement. I kind of felt like I was flying, ironically enough. And like exuberance and freedom. And he just kept saying, Oh my gosh, Julie. Oh my gosh, Julie. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. If I only would have known, if I only would have known. And it was kind of like he was so excited, he couldn't like finish his sentences, right? Like, cause he didn't say anything like too profound to me. He was more like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, if I only would have known, if I only would have known, if I only would have known. And it felt like if I only would have known how good this is, (laughs) like I wouldn't have been so afraid. I wouldn't have doubted anything. Like, uh, and the feeling was like freedom and joy and like he was so overwhelmed with love and peace and joy and freedom. And I was so moved at the moment, like when this was all, it was all happening at once, right? And it's kind of hard thinking back, but like I was, we, I mean, I was just weeping, 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 tears of joy in my car, like, because I was so overwhelmed by the power of what I was feeling. Wow. And then it just stopped. And I was kind of like, okay you know and then you're kind of like sucked back into reality right you're like now I'm in my car and I'm like what the hell's going on (laughs) like and I'm like crying in my car like wiping my tears and my phone beeped so I look at my phone and it was from the nurse inside who said so you know so and so just died and I thought I know I feel like he literally showed me what was happening the moments before he died oh my god and i didn't say this to her because i didn't know what the hell was going on and i didn't really know her that well i was so shook by the whole thing in a good way i was like what just happened to me yeah and then i went about my day that's what nurses do right and then i just went to my next patient and was like okay (laughs) but you know looking back years and years late now it's been years and years and years but uh i thought I'm gonna tell people about this. I'm like really scared because it makes me sound a little nuts, but you know, I can't explain that. And it's really changed who I am and what I believe. And uh, he just gave me such a beautiful gift.
0: It's so beautiful. And I have to say to me, and I'm sure to many people, it does not sound nuts. It sounds really beautiful and really comforting. And that's why I love this story. I was hoping you could share one other story that I've heard you tell that maybe some people haven't heard of. It's your angel story. Oh my gosh. Yes. Go, go tell me the angel story. Yes. Okay. (laughs)
1: So it's kind of like a twofold twofold story. I have like the miracle story with like a twist of the angel. I want it. So I used to always tell the miracle story and I just left out the angel part (sighs) because again, out of fear. Oh. So my the way I told the original story, which is the one miracle I feel like I've witnessed, and I do feel like it was a miracle, was a woman who was actively dying, which means a few hours to a few days maybe to live. And she came on service actively dying. So when I saw her, she was actively dying. Mm. I would have said she, would have, she should die that night. She was cyanotic, which means like blue, you know, like obviously not oxygenating, end of life breathing, modeling, everything you see at the end of life. And means someone's very, very close. She looked very comfortable, but she was definitely someone who was not conscious. And uh, in my opinion, after being a nurse for many, many years, would have died that night. She was young. Her kids were in their early 20s. Uh, and I was trying to talk to them, preparing them about what was happening that night because I could tell they did not understand what was going on. So I spent a lot of time with them, talking to them about how their mother was going to die tonight. I was being very certain with them. Because mm. one, I was certain or so I thought, (laughs) and I wanted them to understand what was really happening, right? And to help their mom have a peaceful death and to get family there and all the things to help prepare them. And so once they were kind of taken care of to an extent and they were calling family to come help them, I went into the room just to make sure she was comfortable and to make sure like she hadn't died already. That's how close to death I thought she was. I thought I was kind of just hanging around because I'm like, she's probably gonna die like any minute. I probably should just stay here. Oh my gosh. But she looked very comfortable, still breathing. And uh, I kind of just sat in the room for a little bit, making sure everything was okay. And then again, suddenly in my mind, I saw this like big, massive thing. That's all I can explain. Massive, like huge, like as big as a car, like almost like a brick statue, so to say, so to speak, in my head. And it looked like it was like bending over her bed. And... It it happened very quickly, but it felt very powerful, very strong, nothing to do with me. It wasn't connected to me at all. It felt like her thing. And it just sort of felt like I got her. Kind of like it didn't matter if I was there or not. This thing was like for her, there for her, I got her type of power, strong, strength. Not necessarily even warm or friendly. Not mean or scary, but just sort of like power. Wow, yeah. And it happened like that, it happened a split second. And of course, like i said i'm actually not super connected to these things so i didn't initially think i didn't think oh that was an angel well i kind of did actually so like for, but like i just i'm very quick to like throw stuff out of my mind mm. the happened in seconds i leave i go home i call the office being like hey i think so and so is going to die tonight so make sure the nurse goes out it's a young family like kind of preparing everybody just make sure someone goes out to check on them and you know when she dies cuz she's going to die tonight and they're like, they assured me like, yeah, we got it. We're all good. So in the morning, I don't see, usually you get an email list saying someone so, someone died. Mm. So I opened the email and there was no like death visit. So I was like, what the heck? No one went out to go see her? What happened? So I called the office and I'm like, did so-and-so die? Why, didn't, why isn't there a death visit? And they're like, no, no one called. And I'm like, what the heck? So I called the family to be like, what has happened? And to me, it's like, no way could she have lived through the night. Right. So I call and the son answers and he's like happy. Yeah. He's like, hey, da, da, da. oh yeah. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? How'd the night go? You know? And he was like, night went good. Uh, we all slept and I woke up and mom was awake and she said she was hungry. And because, oh my God, I'm dying. Because I don't think he understood like how close to death she was, even though I tried to explain to this kid because I wanted them to know. Yeah. He was like, not as surprised and I'm trying to not be like fully shocked. So I'm like, Oh, what? And they're like, yeah, mom's up, mom's up eating pancakes. And I hear them like laughing in the background. I'm thinking like, what the hell is going on here? So I was like, Oh, great. Um, okay. Well I'm going to make you guys my first visit in the morning. And of course i like race right over cause I can't believe what I'm hearing. And I go over there and sure enough, and then I'm thinking, not to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm thinking maybe this is the rally where someone has a burst of energy, right? And kind of acts, kind of comes back to life and then dies soon after. Mm. That can happen. Right. It happens in like 3% of all patients. So of course, bearer of bad news, nurse over here, tries to tell the family this, like a little bit of a warning, like, hey, just so you know, cause I'm convinced this lady is like, shouldn't be alive. So I'm like, maybe this is the rally. She might die soon after just to be prepared. And that, nope, she lived like fully lived, walking, talking, eating, no pain, for three months. Oh. Now she, I know that doesn't sound like she didn't live forever, yeah. right? But like that is wild for someone who was so close to death. Right, you live so alive like she could walk she could talk she could eat I mean this woman wasn't conscious yeah so three months and then she did die peacefully and so I used to just tell the story without talking about that big brick of a thing that I saw by her bed and then I finally started saying and you know I did have a a weird vision that night where I felt like I saw something standing over her bed being like I got you Oh. I feel like it's an angel. It's not what I thought an angel would look yeah. like, but it—I <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was very like it was very strong. It was not like f- it wasn't like loving. I don't want to say that because it wasn't mean either. But it didn't feel it didn't feel scary. But it didn't feel loving. Yeah. It felt like power, super strong, Julie. And powerful. It's
0: amazing. I freaking love <laughs> it. Right, Kareem. I also love this description of an angel. Yeah. You know, it sounded like it came to do some business. You know, it was like, I'm here to help this person. Yeah. So get out of my
1: way. Yes. Did not care about me. Yeah. I was neither here nor there. You know, it didn't matter. It was like they had her. This thing had her. So at first it was like I thought I witnessed, you know, I used to just say I witnessed a miracle. And now it's like I witnessed a miracle. And I think it happened. Yeah. Because for some reason, this angel intervened.
0: Well, I think it's beautiful. And I do think that people want to hear these stories because, I mean, there are many people who believe that we have our own guardian angel or our spirit team working on our our behalf, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like you have your own guardian angel? Like, has anyone – have you felt your own presence of a being?
1: Yeah. I feel like – this is what I try to stay just totally open with like what I believe, what I believe kind of changes. And I feel like the specific belief itself, like doesn't really matter. Like I can, I, I think in general, I just feel like we are all connected and there is something or some things that are higher than us that take care of us. Beautiful. But I have had, I've had had periods of my life where I really believed in angels. It's not that I don't now. It's just that I'm like less invested or something. Mm. But I've had had like different periods of my life where like I really strongly believed in this, and then I really strongly believed in this. Yeah. And now I kind of just believe in it all.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing those stories because I just think they're so beautiful and fascinating, and I do think helpful for people to hear yeah, and comforting for people to hear. I have just two other questions I want to ask you. Yeah, go for it. One is, as we are wrapping this up, if there's one thing you would love for people who are listening to this podcast to walk away with knowing about death and dying, what is it that you would like to share?
1: I think that in general, dying is not painful. You know, the disease you're dying from or the disease your loved one is dying from can be painful. But in general, physically painful, the actual dying process is not that. Mm. Our bodies are built to die. They're built to survive birth for the most part, and they're built to die. And I have seen with my own eyes, you know, how not messing with a dying body, meaning not forcing it to get up, not forcing food or water or any kind of IV hydration, things like that, a person can really die peacefully. You know, our bodies do crazy things like our calcium levels go up. So we get really tired. Mm. The less we eat and drink, the better we feel. We go into ketosis. We feel euphoric. Mm. We don't feel hungry and thirsty. Of course, I always say you want to keep your loved one clean and safe and comfortable, you know? So if those are all yeses, that's it. You know, you're good. Just be there. So in general, it's that, it's that, you know, the process of dying is not painful and the body knows how to die. And uh, the more we can understand that, the better we usually live and the more peaceful we die. Mm.
0: Oh God, that's so beautiful. And maybe as I asked this last question, perhaps that is part of what the, your answer is to this, but I wanted to know what one of the greatest lessons that you've learned personally about living through working with the dying
1: oh about living okay okay so I love saying the whole thing our body knows how to die because that's that's my big thing that's the one thing that surprised me as an ICU yeah because I was always trying to keep someone alive I think about what it taught me about living is and I'm still working on this guys this is a daily reprieve here so I'm not I'm not an expert in this but I think the more we learn how to be in acceptance of all things all things um you know, acceptance is the, my answer uh, to all my problems today. Learning how to accept things, learning how to be flexible, right? And change, because change is going to happen, baby. Yeah, like, yeah. Life is always changing. <laughs> and we have to be able to accept that and be flexible right. and ask for help, ask for help. And I am saying this to myself because it's really hard for me to do that. But I know that I need to learn how to do that now. so if I am lucky enough to get older, it won't be as hard for me because I see people who cannot be flexible, cannot ask for help, cannot accept. struggle, mm. struggle at the end of life. Wow. Yeah, struggle. So uh, that's the that's what people have taught me and what I try to do on a daily basis. just remember to, I need to accept, I need to release, be flexible, understand change happens. Ask for help if I need it. That's hard. We live in an individual society, individualistic society where we're kind of taught to like do it on our own,
0: you know, and it's just not
1: easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not easy, especially at the end of life. You can't really do it on yeah. your own. It's
0: really hard. You need help. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Acceptance, asking for help. And flexibility, and baby. flexibility. That's right. That's right. Because change is going to happen mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Julie. You are so delightful, and I just want to let you know that how much I appreciate the work that you're doing as a hospice nurse, that you are sharing information with people, that you're educating people, and that you are holding the light for people who are dying and holding the light on death, and just hearing some of the words, so many of the words that you said in this conversation, I feel like can be helpful to so many people as we As we go through life, we know that there's going to be a time when our time is up. And so I just I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you so much. I I love talking about it. So I'm so happy to
0: always. Well, you are delightful. You are delightful. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. To learn more about Julie, including her upcoming events, or how you can connect with her, visit her website, hospicenursejulie.com, or watch her videos on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at hospicenursejulie. Thank you for listening to Hold the Light. For more information about this episode and the topics discussed, visit our show notes or find more at holdthelightcollective.com or on Instagram at holdthelightcollective. This podcast is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Jonathan Grossman is our co-producer and all-around sound guru. He also wrote the original music. This podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio in Los Angeles, California. Finally, if you like the show, please rate, review, and share it with a friend. Let's share the light with each other.